0: all right there we go um welcome everybody hope the microphone is work is working well i i tested it before i went on and my ears weren't blowing out of my skull so give me a thumbs up if it's working welcome to use a problem yeah uh i've not ever had a chance to to skim through all the the pre-chat here um so let's let's look um interesting topics fed wants 715 billion back in reverse repo by june 25th Hmm, that's a lot that's adding what 200 billion in the next two weeks that's crazy Uh, 150 billion that's a lot that's that's a lot that's a lot of money being dumped in the market when the market supposedly like going gangbusters so yeah okay thumbs up mike's working well fantastic thank you um uh, looks like I got a couple of people I've modded in here. Awesome, thank you. Uh, okay, so yeah, both Citadel and BlackRock have millions of puts and junk bonds. Uh, for, uh junk bond HYG for this Friday. Um, yeah, they from what I read, it's four billion uh, in puts they bought. That if the price of HYG drops ten dollars, they stand to make two hundred billion dollars off of it. So it's quite the bet, it's got a huge payoff um i bought some <laughs> i have a i have some 86 bucks for for uh uh that just in case you know make tens of thousands of dollars if i can if that thing actually drops by friday who knows yeah i might i might get some for uh the following friday too because they're like pennies and you know it's higher odds than the actual lotto yeah okay uh let's see what other questions people got oh we got super chat from dr Dunk. Uh, is HYG going to the toilet? I bought 50 puts, tempted the YOLO. That's exactly what I did, man. That's uh, why not? Because if the market as a whole takes a dive, then uh, the HYG stock, which is just seems to just go at $87 and never move beyond that, the only time it takes a huge drop is when the market uh, uh, coughs it up. And it dropped, what, from 87 to $69 in like a week's time? So, uh, if you've got puts in that, you're making like 10, 10 grand off of 10 of those things. So, so you, would be like 50 grand, so not such a bad, bad way to go. Okay. Um, and thank you, Dr. Stonk. Thank you so much. All right. Let's find some more questions. I've got until I've got about until 5 30 tonight, so I can go for about an hour and a half and I actually remembered to, uh, get myself water this time because Duh. Alright. <clears throat> so my voice can hopefully last. Um Okay, oh from Citadel. <laughs> Thoughts on AMC's gamma squeezing this week with so many calls coming up in the money. Yeah, that they've got um what I think this this week forty million shares went in the money off those calls and they've got over, I don't know the exact numbers. If someone has the numbers, um, I think it might be like 100 million shares might go in the money at the current level for this Friday. And that could trigger a huge gamma, which uh, will then cause the price to go higher, which causes even more calls to go in, which causes more gamma, which hopefully rockets us. And if, in fact, the uh, short sellers are out of ETFs to short, they might not have anything in the ammo box. To, uh, keep the price down much, other than naked selling, which is what they love to do anyway. So, um, yeah, I think th- I think there's going to be significant gamma, uh, not just for AMC, but for everyone this week. The the buying pressure, I think, is going to go up, and it's one of those weeks where people just smell blood in the water. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when when we saw that huge spike to $72 for AMC, everyone the week before was like, "It's happening? It's going to go on 50 bucks or higher, and it did. So much of the market is dependent upon, you know, what everyone's thinking at the time so that's uh <laughs> that's kind of how it works yeah uh dr stonk where's our gme crypto dividend uh someone someone tweeted me earlier saying that it was july 14th not june 14th when it's supposed to go live um so maybe we're waiting for then i i was really hoping for this week uh but you know i think it's i think it's happening um it would be really interesting to see how they how they uh, uh, piece it together. Like, are they going to generate wallets themselves and then give those wallets to the brokerages to give to us? Or are they going to have us create wallets that they can send to us? I'm not sure exactly how it's going to get uh, divvied out, but it's going to be really fascinating to see exactly what they do and exactly what the short hedge fund's response will be to the fact they can't counterfeit the dividend. Um, yeah. It's going to be... Like I said uh, um, interviews I did like the money I put into these stocks is purely entertainment at this point because I'm really curious to see how it's all going to unfold so much stuff is in the works, and if these margin calls happen and the price on the blue chips and indexes and everything else crypto just plummets what does that do how how do how do we bounce back from that <laughs> especially when like the buy pressure for stocks comes so much from uh, 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 hedge funds in themselves. So if the hedge funds are all getting margin called, they're not buying anything, and we'll be the ones with the money. So how? Wh- I guess you know we're just trading our cash for these stocks. I'm really curious to see. And you know, BlackRock's spending all their money on houses, and if the banks lose all their liquidity and there was a huge credit crunch because of all these uh, uh, margin calls. Where does the buying pressure for homes come from if they can't issue loans? I am so, so it's going to be such a weird thing that I'm, I'm just can't wait to see it unfold. That is more like morbid curiosity. Okay, Rostock. I told Ken Griffin I'm going to fly past the moon and ride my big red rocket straight into Uranus. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Pal Guitars, thank you so much. <laughs> Uh I I love it, I love it. I, lo- I, lo- I love your anus jokes. I always tell my students if they can if they can tell me a uranus joke I haven't heard yet, they'll get an extra point in their test. Love them all. What? Why was the Star Trek enter- Enterprise uh flying around the toilet? It was checking the clean checking your anus for Klingons. Okay. CBound 117 in some ways easier to do this. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. That's not really a question. Um, oh, I need a question. C-bound. do they even have to hide like with AMC? Are they just using either options market or OTC counter to stealth cover while delaying orders to prevent price fluctuation? Very possible. The thing about what's being traded on OTC and in the dark pools is I don't think they're legit shares. I think it's synthetics that are going back and forth. And so all they can do is is kind of you know the the mob mobsters come the enforcer comes to uh break your knees because you haven't paid them uh and you're saying oh the check's in the mail or whatever i think that's pretty much what they're doing um so it's a uh, not really a way of covering but it is a way to kind of stave off collection um because we own the shares we have we have the physical shares that they need they need and not enough of those things are on the otc or in these dark pools because the dark pools are only institutions and with amc institutions only own 15 of the of the float so there's no way for them to actually cover with with uh, with the dark pools and in these off exchange markets um so it's a delay tactic eventually they have to offer up money to buy our shares And that's kind of where we are at the moment. Okay. Let's see here. When the fines violations uh, are just worked into operational expenditures, are they actually consequences? No. That's from CBound 117. Uh, If if the consequence of delaying orders on like a trillion dollars in uh, retail trades is a $700,000 fine, then... That's just an expenditure. That's a write-off at that point. The SEC has a huge problem with not finding uh, these these institutions and funds at a reasonable rate. If you or I uh, did what they did, we would be bankrupted by fines from the SEC. But you know, they these fines are a drop in the bucket for them. They they fart seven hundred thousand dollars at lunch, so. It's it's not at all fine. What it needs to be is, hey, you delay orders, um, your chief executive is going to prison, and you're paying a billion dollars or something. That that that's what it needs to be. So it needs to be something that's much much more heinous, and we need to hold white collar criminals to serious standards where they 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 don't go off to you know three months at uh, Club Fed. They they go to twenty years at Pound me in the ass federal prison. So it's a, uh, I, th- I think there needs to be some fear put into the bros at these funds so that so that this stuff isn't just blown off, that that they can't just manipulate the market this way. And they've got I mean that's like a superpower. They they are they are they have a superpower that is they can delay our orders, they can trade off market, uh, they can generate synthetic shares, none of which we can do. And we're at a complete disadvantage, and it needs to be a fair playing field. And we need to set the system up so that it is, so that there's not these special benefits that billionaires can use to absolutely just ravage us. And I hope that the SEC, when this come comeuppance happens and this big giant market correction that we're going to get, that they actually do something about it. Rostock, how many planets in our solar system? There are eight planets in our solar system. Pluto is not a planet, and I will stand behind that. I totally agree with the findings. To be a planet solar system, you must be in the plane of uh, the sun's rotation. So the ro- sun rotates, and like a frisbee spinning, all the planets rotate on the same plane. Pluto was found by accident. It just happened to be uh, crossing through the plane of the galaxy, but actually it, it orbits at like a 20% angle. And to also be a planet, it must be somewhat similar to Uh, to a circular orbit, and they're all elliptical to a bit, but um, it has to also uh, uh, clear out the path of its orbit. Pluto does not. Pluto crosses Neptune's orbit. It's considered a Kuiper belt object, and uh, Kuiper belt objects um, are usually planetoids or defunct moons that got thrown out of orbit by something else and they they orbit at weird angles we got some that orbit completely perpendicular to the rest of the solar system and they're all tiny um so eight planets in our solar system there's lots, lots of kuiper belt objects sedna and xerxes and xena and i can't remember all their names but there's lots of them out there okay thank you for the question i will gladly talk about planets and rocks all day long okay what, what did I have for dinner with my mother? Um, <laughs> that's from uh, Resident Flea. Uh, my mom, once she retired, she's like, I am never cooking again. So when I have dinner with my mom, it is a wonderful bought meal from somewhere else. <laughs> hey, she, she earned it. She doesn't have to cook if she doesn't want to. So, you know, my stepmom's the great cook. She seems to love cooking. So I, I'm actually headed there for dinner tonight because I hate cooking myself. Raw stock, seven after I destroy your anus. (laughs) That's that's a new one. You get a point on your uh, midterm. Good job. Uh, Mupu, I can't say this. Mupulin, Uh, what price at this point will trigger instant margin calls? GME last week almost hit 350. That's twice now where GME... Brush that 350 line, and then just got shorted into oblivion. I think that there's some magic number behind that. Um, with Melvin back in January, it was every 11 dollars GameStop went up, they lost a billion dollars. So we can, you know, just divide it 350 by uh, by 11 dollars. We can see how many billions of dollars Melvin's out right now, just based on their January positions, not any of the short selling that they've done since, um, which probably compounded that. I I wouldn't doubt if it's more than that. Now, what is a uh, three fifty divided by eleven? Is gonna be like thirty billion, something that's similar close to that. Three fifty divided by yeah, so like thirty billion dollars that Melvin's probably out at this point. They're not even worth thirty billion dollars. So if it if it pushes that high, I I think that might be a magic number for uh, for margin calls in some of these hedge funds, which will probably cascade from there. So. Good question. Tr- yes, fine. Security violation should be one hundred ten percent the profit. That's from C One Seventeen. I totally agree. It should be uh, significant and painful. I mean, the the um, clearinghouse. If if you uh, have a failure to deliver on a non-fast product, meaning a, a stock that's not traded electronically, and the, you have to deliver like the actual physical certificates. I think it's 130% fine just from the the clearinghouse. So why shouldn't there be similar fines for uh, failure to deliver for electronically traded stocks? Uh, Louis Aquilina, uh, Houston, what's your opinion on them shorting ETF when GameStop is on its way out? Yeah, that's exactly. It seems really desperate. Um, very desperate. ETFs are such a pain in the ass to short because especially ETFs like the Russell 2000, GameStop's one one-thousandth of it. So to share, to short one share of GameStop, you have to short a thousand shares of the Russell 2000, and then the Russell 2000 is going to take all those shares out and put them into the Russell 1000, and they need they need those physical shares to do that. They can't necessarily break apart these synthetics like that. So to short the entire Russell 2000 by like. 400 percent or whatever it was they did in about 48 hours is a serious act of desperation so um, I I oh man I, I I think it's a last gasp effort especially in two weeks when it, when it rebalances all right I think my roommate just cranked his rap music hopefully he's not coming through the microphone here <laughs> Uh, smooth, gaudy beats. Can you explain HYG bonds for GME and will affect the rest of us next week? Uh, HYG is a junk bond ETF. So they, they've they got a whole bunch of uh, fingers in these junk bonds, and it's a pretty stable investment normally uh, that that will um, stay fairly steady. I mean, it's it's basically been at $87 for years now, except for one huge drop uh, March of last year when the market took a tank. Um And what it looks like is that, you know, Citadel and BlackRock usually don't invest in the same things. uh, But it appears that the two of them have put $4 billion into puts on HYG betting that's going to drop this Friday. And if if it drops $10 this Friday, it's $200 billion in winnings for them on those puts. So it's a really interesting... for for a big fund to invest four billion dollars in something that could just evaporate is kind of a big deal and that's why a lot of people are paying attention to it. That was a, a big find for them um to to discover that. So you know I, I for a dollar you can buy like an eighty-two dollar put and if it drops to 70 bucks you just made you know a thousand dollars. So it's a pretty good pretty good deal. What's the likelihood they drive AMC below forty dollars this week? I don't think there's much of a likelihood. I, I hate to make that prediction, but I think we're going to see Gamma happen this week because there's so many puts and puts and calls uh, that have been purchased, so many calls, I should say, that, been pur- that, that are due on Friday. Um, I think we're going to see some Gamma as a result because the price is so much higher than when those contracts were issued uh, that there's going to be a lot of drive by uh, option houses to purchase shares, and that's going to, put a lot of buying pressure on it uh so yeah that's that's what i think chris horn thank you so much okay let's scroll through find some more i got it my 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 terrible eyes are trying to look for question marks um uh ever read breakfast champions heck yeah i love kurt vonnegut i have i wrote an article um it must have been like 2002 about uh u.s policy in north korea and kind of how messed up it was because back then um north korea was we had an agreement with the united states and the international atomic agency that we'd have inspectors at their nuclear sites to guarantee they weren't making bombs and for some reason the george bush administration pulled all the inspectors out and then gave north korea like 40 million dollars and so I wrote an article about how weird that was and why they, I couldn't understand why they would do that. And uh, Kurt Vonnegut sent me an email thanking me for my article, and it's like the highlight of my life that Kurt Vonnegut sent me an email. I need I, I need to find the old account and print it out and frame it and blow it up in my living room or something. Yes, or Breakfast of Champions. Pal guitars. Uh, can you go through the scenario? If the hedges go bankrupt, any chance we don't get money during the MOS? No. They have to clear the books. So um, if the if the hedge funds get margin called, the brokerage is obligated to sell off enough assets to cover their obligations. So let's say they uh, there's 10 million shares of GameStop they have to buy. So the hedge the, the brokerage sells off the assets of the of the hedge fund. The hedge fund's got no ability to stop them from doing it. Brokerage sells off the assets until those 10 million shares are purchased. And if those 10 million shares cost $100 billion and the hedge fund's only worth $20 billion, the hedge fund gets liquidated out of existence. And then the bank who, who lent to uh, the margin of the hedge fund is now responsible. And the bank has to start paying. They have to pay until those... Uh, uh, shares are purchased and in the, in, in the, the, um, the the position is covered. And if the bank runs out of money, well, they've got no option. They, they're done. They're, li- they're liquidated. And likely the uh, Federal Reserve has to step in and, and bail the banks out because the banks need to have money so there's liquidity because we need that money passing through the economy for consumer goods, for homes, for credit cards, for all that, for cars. Uh, so they will likely see... Um, Money there, and the, uh, the 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 clearinghouse is now responsible with their, you know, whatever insurance policy they have. So they start their buying computers start going, and it's likely likely that that they'll run out of cash too. So the clearinghouse will likely have to be um, bailed out as well because the clearinghouses are what the entire U.S. market is based upon. And if they don't have any liquidity, then the economy's over. So I think the Federal Reserve is going to play a huge role and making sure that these positions are closed out and that the banks don't evaporate and the clearinghouse isn't bankrupted. So um, that's where I see it going. The Federal Reserve's having uh, some emergency meeting this week, and uh, I wouldn't doubt if they'll be discussing these things and action plans as a result. Mr. Joe Nada, how do I see the, the MOAS playing out, best-case scenario, hierarchy of hedge funds collapsing around 10 k and the insurance stepping in i think the hedge funds will probably collapse at a lower price than that uh the hedge funds might start collapsing when this thing when gme gets to five hundred dollars and they start getting margin called because the buying pressure is going to be insane uh so it's going to take off from there and go higher 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 um i i i think it's hedge funds banks dtcc federal reserve i think that's the order it might be hedge funds dtcc banks but i think the banks come before the dtcc on that role because the banks are members of the dtcc and they're the ones that are responsible for uh, uh the margins of the hedge funds that trade under them um, when archegos went under it was the banks that were responsible for paying that so that's why Credit Suisse and Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and Namur all ha- all lost billions on that because they lent to uh, Archegos way too much. Archegos was like 50 to 1 leveraged, which is not sustainable for anybody. Okay. Yeah, emergency Fed meeting is on Tuesday, so that's... I wouldn't doubt if they're going to be discussing that stuff. <clears throat> okay. Um... Scroll to another one. Cuba just told American tourists not to bring dollars; they will not take them anymore. That's from Get Real. Um, <laughs> I mean, Cuba uh, usually likes to have that hard currency, but uh, I'm not sure. Is are there many remission payments to people back in Cuba from from uh, uh, ec- uh, uh, people who who fled into like Florida and stuff? I don't know. I don't know about the stats on that. But I mean, we saw. Um, el salvador adopt uh, bitcoin as a as an official currency because it's really easy for remittance payments from El salvadorian uh immigrants and migrants to send money back to el salvador al el salvador that way uh it's interesting i mean if if it costs zero dollars to send money to a country in remittance using these digital currencies then it might be really appealing uh, especially when you if you're gonna wire it it might cost ten percent of what you made so that's that's uh, very possible. Okay. Oh, I think I just got to where I started the... Uh, <laughs> the. Oh, I oh, just scrolled too far ahead. Okay. The scrolling action on the YouTube thing is absolutely gnarly. It really... It wants to like... I do one scroll and I can follow along. All of a sudden, it just zips me right back down to the bottom again. Okay. Squid... Squid six nineteen. Pluto is not a planet, bud. <laughs> it is a Kuiper belt object. It is a planetoid. Um, that was Ibaru. Okay. Oh, Donna Holder. Thank you so much. Hiya. Uh, Mupulin again. Uh, what price do you think AMC will trigger margin calls? So let's let's do a little math here. All right. So if AMC's triggered. or or shorted 50% which is way below what we think it is Uh, that's 250 million shares so uh, 250 million and right now it's at uh, 50 bucks so right now it's 12.5 billion uh, that the short hedge funds will be out if they buy at market price right now to cover right for those 250 million shares which we think is probably significantly more than that alright if it's a $100 that's 25 billion they have to cover if it's $500, we're at $125 billion and there are no uh, hedge funds in existence that can that can cover that. They're done. And so anywhere between, you know, if the, if the market cap for AMC all of a sudden is over $100 billion, uh, everyone knows something's gone seriously wrong because a company that, that can sell a billion dollars in movie tickets should not be worth $100 billion. <laughs> and... Um, those who have lent to these groups on margin, uh, I think that's, I think if you get that high as a, as a total market cap, then you're screwed. You, you, you you have to margin call because it's just going to get worse from there. How big will the squeeze be? 100X, 500X, 20,000X is from, uh, Gilly Gilly. I think some people will see, you know, if they bought in May of last year at $2 and they're able to sell for millions, then, you know, they're at a million X. <laughs> so it, it it could be pretty big, I think. Uh, from where it is now, I wouldn't doubt if we see several thousand times uh, the price that at the absolute peak for those few shares that are able to sell in that peak zone. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah so I'll see I think it'll be pretty big uh Donna Holder uh hey Houston do your students ever watch your videos I don't know I an old student of mine from the Art Institute named Ian he he popped up in my videos once that was pretty cool yeah, I taught him math at the Art Institute I think I also taught him geology as well maybe it was astronomy Ian if you happen to be on you can remember which one it was <laughs> Or he took them all from me I don't know um, but yeah, so I've had students pop in before. It's been fantastic. It's, it's really cool to see them. Uh, Johan Skinner's, uh, thoughts on the Artemis program. <laughs> Are you involved <laughs> with the, uh podcast on the subject? Uh, love the one about public health Um, I'm not involved in the Artemis program, although doing a show on that would be pretty cool. Uh, I should, I should check that up in the list. I think going forward for my shows is um, if I if I'm in like if I'm home and I can I can spend time doing the research and I'm not doing field work, which at the moment the truck is destroyed so uh, field work is gonna have to get delayed, which might mean a really terrible fall and it's cold for me to do some of this some of the contracted work I have. Um, I'm gonna try and do a written like half hour long podcast recorded podcast each week and then do one or two, of uh, these kind of question and answer um, shows. Uh, so the written shows, I think, are going to be on all sorts of different topics, kind of things that, that interest me and that I think people might be interested, not necessarily financially focused. So doing something on, our, on the Artemis program would be pretty interesting, or um, on space mining, or on uh, resource extraction, or on, you know, uh, school funding, or whatever, these are different topics and uh and in those recorded episodes is where i'm going to put the clues for my treasure hunt which will be launched next week um editing the video right now for the stoke video for the treasure hunt and so you'll get a new clue every week in one of the recorded podcast videos and uh hopefully someone will find my treasure (laughs) so yeah let's, let's do one on the artemis program awesome okay Um, uh, This is for Protege Sun Houston. What, if any, metrics will you be looking at to see if the squeeze will be winding down? Yeah, Uh, I think looking when the price starts to get beyond anything that a regular retail investor could feasibly afford, uh, we start, I think we start looking at, at just pure volume. And if the volume, if like say for GameStop in a few day period, the volumes at five hundred million shares, it's probably on the wind down after that. Um, if it's if only hundred million shares have been covered in in those five days, it's probably still going on because the synthetics that are out there that have been bouncing back and forth in the OTC and in the dark pools, um, all those things have to be covered too. So we're we're it'll probably take a while. So that's that's probably looking at I, I also think that that we'll see days where the buying pressure will just vanish and that's just because everyone's out of cash for the day waiting for the next level of um, the the, the uh, redundancy takeover or the Federal Reserve to release more cash or something uh, that's my guess so we'll probably see peak plateau drop peak plateau drop as, as far as the buying pressure is concerned um, as it moves from one level to the next and it's it well, it'll probably take a while. So gauging where exactly that super peak is, you know, some people might just get lucky and hit it and others may miss it entirely and try to sell on the way down. But by then, you know, the books are cleared and the buying pressure is gone and they might not they might not uh, get it. So we'll see. Uh, Mike Harad, this whole thing comes down and you don't have to go back to work or you going to become a full-time gold prospector. Yeah, I'd love to be like a hobby prospector and just look for It's fun to go out and like Melotech and smash rocks and acid test things and play with a dredge and do all that stuff. So I'd love to find like mineral loads all over. Uh, except that gem, gemstones are, are, are more my bag now, though gold is still fun. Uh, Cameron Mirza. If the fail to delivers an AMC, AMC happens uh, this week, will any cash be left for GME? Uh, probably. Because. Um, there's, there should be, I think the, the, the FTDs for GME are next week, the 24th, right? So the week after this coming week. 24th is when that 21-day 20 day, uh, FTD cycle starts to happen for them. Um, so it might, it, might, it might be an AMC week this week with all those uh, calls that possibly go in the money. And the next week we see GME pop even more. But for the most part, their graphs really, really follow each other um it seems like that the hedge funds have really made the same plays on on all these uh meme stocks and so they, they really seem to just follow each other okay twi- so this, this is a uh child boy at ftd 21 day this monday i think you're talking about amc i think that's yeah, AMC's 21 day is this Monday, and then the following Monday is GME's next big 21-day cycle. Uh, WM asking, do I think the quad witching day will boost? Yeah, I think the 18th. Um, I think we're going to see some, some awesome stuff by... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll see a good big punch. Jail got a Vonnegut punch for your Atlas truck. <laughs> oh, another Vonnegut story I have. Is years ago, I randomly saw in the paper that like Al Franken was doing a book reading of his book, Oh, The Things I Could Tell You. And so a friend and I, after class, we were still in college. We went we went to the book signing, but I didn't, ha- I didn't have any money. I'm a poor college student. And so I couldn't buy his book and have him sign it. So I get in line and he's like, what do you want me to sign? And I had a, uh, a copy of Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> and so uh, Al Franken opened it and signed it. For Kurt Vonnegut and handed it back to me. <laughs> so I've got a signed copy of... Of Kurt Vonnegut's *Cat's Cradle*, f- forged by Al Franken. So I'm the only one in the world with that, probably. <clears throat> uh, nostalgia T, what does we own the float actually mean? Do we need to buy all of our shares? Likely, to at least need to buy enough of them so that when institutions get a pile, they can start selling that. Um, so there's there's the amount of shares that are out there. Uh, in total, for how many shares the company issued, right? And the insiders, the people that are on the board, the C-level executives, people like that, they have shares, but they they can't sell them easily. In order for them to sell shares, they have to notify the public like thirty days ahead of time or something that they're going to to sell shares. And so uh, that's to that's to uh, to uh, curtail insider trading. So if if a member of a board sees that oh shit we're we're about to lose a trillion dollars next quarter i'm gonna dump everything i own they can't do that and dump all their stock before the public's made aware of what the bad news is coming uh and vice versa if they see some see something awesome on the horizon uh like oh we're gonna get a huge government contract they can't secretly buy a whole bunch of shares and then you know that contract gets landed so if they're gonna do any dealings with that stock either uh, buying or selling they have to notify the public ahead of time. So that's set aside. Those are restricted shares. And then there's the float, which is the publicly traded shares. And with GameStop, uh, depending on the data, there's stuff in April saying it's 25 million. There's stuff saying it's 50 million. If it's 50 million, um, then there's 50 million shares that can be traded on the market. But about half of those shares, 25 million, are owned by... Uh, long investment funds, your uh, uh, mutual funds, ETFs, things like that that don't necessarily trade on a daily basis, that stock. Uh, so the, there's the float, and then there's the actual like traded float, which it might be even half that for, for GameStop. So it might be at 25 million shares that can trade. Well, when we say we own the float, that means that a lot of those shares that institutions hold that are long-term investments they get lent out to short hedge funds and then sold so your usaa mutual fund or your uh uh, etf that has or vanguard fund or whatever that will have pieces of these um uh shares in them they get lent out so they can be short short sold by hedge funds and we buy them so we own that and they have synthetics well some of us trade on margin and in those accounts the brokerage will Borrow our shares and lend them to uh, a short hedge fund to sell, and then we buy them. So we might have a whole bunch of synthetics and a whole bunch of uh, legit shares in our accounts, and all those shares have to be purchased to be able to make to pay back the the lending that has happened on on the float. So when they say we own the entire float, it means we probably have all the physical shares in our account plus a bunch of synthetics, and then there's a pile of synthetics inside the accounts of uh, these long-term investment firms. So When the first glut of shares gets sold, a lot of those shares will be taken to replace the synthetics in various accounts. And if a lot of them are used to replace synthetics in uh, mutual funds or or, uh, big investment institutions like BlackRock or whatever, then all of a sudden BlackRock may have a million shares that they can sell. And they can can dump those million shares in the market. And who knows if they're diamond handing because they've got a million shares that they can sell them for a pile of money they might just do it because a lot of money is a lot of money. So we have to kind of see exactly uh, how the float works out once those big institutions start to get their hands on some legit shares they can sell. Michael Turner, uh, why do the charts of GME and AMC match each other so closely? Is it because they're shorting ETFs that contain both? Probably. My guess is, is that... That a lot of these these uh, shorted stocks, the 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 meme stocks, um, the same play was made at the same time by the same hedge funds. So they saw all right, uh, brick and mortars dying, movie theaters are dying, everything's moving online. So you know no one uses blackberries anymore. Whatever. So let's short the stuff into oblivion because we can drive it to zero, especially during uh, the pandemic, and it's golden, we'll make a pile of money. And the retail investors flipped the coin where they said, we're not going to panic sell when we see this price drop, we're just going to buy more. And so all of these meme stocks that get talked about a lot, they're now stuck in the same playbook with the same hedge funds. So you'll see... AMC do something. You'll see GME do the exact same thing. You'll see COST do the exact same thing. You'll see Bed Bath & Beyond do the exact same thing. You'll see BlackBerry do the exact same thing. And they just follow each other because there's not enough people and not enough creativity at these hedge funds to, I think, experiment to see how to shake people out. Um, If I were at Citadel, I would try to run an experiment on one of these other uh, shorted stocks and see if something else works rather than just, you know, okay, we're going to make it short a whole bunch and maybe will shake them free. Oh, crap, that didn't work. They bought up all of our stocks and now it's right back where it was. Okay, we're going to make it short a whole bunch of ETFs. We're going to make short sure a whole bunch of ETFs. Oh, crap, that didn't work. So uh, what are we going to do next? I oh, know, we're just going to make it short shares again. And they're just doing the same thing over and over and over again because they don't have enough people on staff to uh, independently operate every single solitary stock that they shorted to oblivion so the i think they just have the they just enter in an algorithm into one computer that kind of does the same thing for all of them and that's why they mirror each other so closely uh yeah the i mean if citadel had a hundred thousand employees all you know, 10 of them working on each each different stock they shorted that'd be one thing but you know they've they've got a few floors of a high rise and they don't have enough people to actually do that Uh, Donna Holder, will the impending gamma actually be Friday or can it be any time during the week in anticipation? Yes. Uh, if the 21-day failure to deliver for AMC is this Monday, then we're going to see a, a, a squeeze or a gamma from that. And as the price gets higher, these option houses that, that sold naked options at what they thought were obscene levels uh, months ago, For 618, they're going to have to enter the market and start buying up uh, shares. So we might see that 21-day FTD combine with a gamma squeeze from the option houses that will push the stock quite high during the week, Um, and we'll probably see short attacks from the hedge funds. My guess is Wednesday and Friday we'll see short short attacks. But this week the short hedge funds really did their like shot their load on Thursday, put everything on SSR. So they were forced to short ETFs on Friday because you can't short um, regular stocks when you're on SSR. So their only option was those ETFs, but I don't think they have anymore. I think they're tapped out. Beats by Jay. Uh, What's going on with HYG Uh, in the AMC link? uh, I was just looking at open interest on puts expiring this Friday and the volume is insane. Yeah, i talked about that a little bit. Um, HYG is linked to when the market crashes because it, it's a etf full of junk bonds and when the market takes a hit the likelihood of being able to pay off junk bonds takes a hit and so the, the speculation on on that etf just crashes really hard so there's a ton of betting being done that this friday uh the market as a whole will take a big nosedive they put a lot of money into that and if it does they stand to make hundreds of billions of dollars on those puts so um, that's kind of where we are. So if, if if margin calls get triggered and blue chips drop for some reason, then the people who have got puts in HYG will make a fortune. And why why everyone chose the 18th, all those big funds, I'm not sure. They they might know something we don't. They've you know they're 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 the market makers. They make the market, so they might. They might be onto something. I don't know. I I figured it was worth a few dollars to to bet along with them. So I so I bought I bought some of those puts. I need a sip of water. My voice is going hard today. It's a lot of pollen out there. Um, euph- euphoria morning or youth morning. Uh, could you anticipate outcry of the lies being spread? I would imagine that if an increasing crowd sentiment against FUD could cause regulators further problems as more folk see through their lies. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of attacking that seems to go on. Um, I mean, I, I get tagged and stuff on Reddit all the time where I'm, I'm being called a FUDster or a shill and, uh, uh, my stalkers made an entire subreddit devoted to me. Um, and I, I don't know, man, like, the squeeze is going to happen. How it happens, none of us know. We can, we can all try to do our little mental experiments and try to crunch numbers, but, you know, h- humans are predictable in some ways and not predictable in others. And when people start to see lots of zeros in their accounts that they've never had before, their instinctual reactions may counter any pre-planning they had ahead of time. And who knows, who knows how it's going to unroll? Uh, We can try to predict the squeeze. I think the squeeze is going to happen, but how it unfolds might not necessarily happen in the exact ways we predicted. And, uh, I don't know. So a lot of people will, will will yell FUD at things because it's not the exact way they predict it's going to happen. And I don't know. I, I, I do, I do think, uh, from the number of, uh, trolls that hop into the, these chats now. I think that I've at least gotten on someone's radar that they want to come in and try to disrupt things, but I think that think the guys, everyone that I've deputized as moderators, you've been a giant help. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Uh, it's cheaper to pay someone to go on the internet and type up a bunch of stuff and bother people than it is to cover several billion dollars in obligations you have. So they will do that every single time if they can use that those those shills and those uh, naysayer accounts to bother people and shake them loose of their investments. But everyone sees through it. It's such an obvious play. It seems like a waste of everyone's time at this point. Okay. Scroll. Oh, oh, some real questions popped up here. This is MRAM Um Is there any way that this hedge funds trading sixty percent of the AMC volume in the dark pools are able to cover the dark pool? Uh, will it hit the real market? I don't think so. I think most of what's being traded in the dark pool are synthetics, and they can't. You can't cover when when a margin call happens. You can't cover a synthetic with a synthetic. At most, what you can do is you can buy that synthetic and delete it from existence but you can't use that synthetic to pay off another synthetic uh, in that margin call situation. So I don't think there's a way to cover in the dark pool at all because, you know, there's 500 million shares in existence and retail owns 500 million shares. So how are you going to cover with a bunch of synthetics being traded on the dark pool? Uh, I don't, I don't think it can happen, man. That's, that's the way I see it. I got asked that question by somebody on Twitter earlier too. And yeah, I, I think they use the dark pool to mask their positions which if uh, uh, Rule 2 and Rule 5 go into effect, I don't think they can do that anymore. So uh, I, I wouldn't doubt. Um, that lady that was on uh, uh, Fast Money on CNBC yesterday, she kind of addressed this a little bit, saying that the dark pools are being, in the OTC are being used in ways they were never intended. And the fact that you and I as retail traders don't have access to these resources is really unfair, and I think the SEC has to address that, especially with as much wealth of retail investors as being p- been put in the market in the last year. Um, they can't have us losing all of our fortunes to the shenanigans by these hedge funds because it's not sustainable for the U.S. economy. So, yeah. I'm Michael Turner. How many of the 60 and below options expiring this Friday do you think have already been hedged for? Oh, I don't know. I I I think a lot of these options are the hedging by um, these short hedge funds. Um, I, I I wouldn't doubt that that Citadel and others have purchased huge amounts of these and trying to push the the buck pass the buck onto the options houses. Um, a lot of these were set up months ago, years ago, for 618. So, you know, two years ago, an option house selling a $60 option on AMC at uh, at a penny was just free money for them. They all yeah, sell millions of those, make a few hundred thousand bucks, we're good to go. And never in a million years did that option house think that when we got to 618.21, that the, that the stock would be trading for $60. The option house is like, well, I'll get this free money. I'll never have to have have to buy the shares to actually cover this call. So I'm good to go. And there's a lot of people, option houses that are panicking because they sold millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of these options uh, that they don't have shares for. So, and, and the hedge fund sold millions and millions and millions and millions of options that are millions and millions of stock that they never actually held. They sold them naked. So an easy way for them to uh, cover that um uh uh obligation is to pass all the the uh ob- all, all, all the problems onto the option houses so i think that's that might be what they're doing and, oh shoot somebody's uh uh one vanish was it Xandrex, oh thank you Xandrex, you didn't have a question phew <laughs> here's vanish from the top there uh thank you Brandon Becker, oh thank you, uh, much love, found you through Jackson Hunter, you're a great teacher, enjoy your content. Jackson Hunter is such a sweetheart, I was supposed to go hang out with him in LA this week, but my truck broke, and I'm here <laughs> I'm back home, so I didn't actually make it to LA to go say hi I hope I'll be make another trip down there, at some point this summer on one of my adventures but I need a, an engine in, my, in the war rig first, so maybe we'll get there alright Uh, this is Eddie Carlin. What's your take on FINRA currently have GME short interest at 11.97 million? The way FINRA calculates short interest is through legit shorting of stocks, like stocks that are borrowed and uh, uh, sold. That doesn't represent actual short interest because the market makers can naked short all they want, and the option guys sell tons of naked options. So if you look at the institutional investment on FINRA, you, you go to the, the FINRA website for GME, there'll be a little bar at the top that talks about uh, uh, insiders and other things. Then you click shareholders. You scroll down, it will show institutions and funds that own. And institutions and funds that that claim to own uh, 5% or more of uh, GME uh they, they own 150 million shares and there's only 73 million shares in existence. So obviously the short interest must be more than a hundred percent for that to happen, especially since it's like 300% the, sh- the, the float. Um, so that tells me how many naked shares have been generated, sold and bought. Uh, S3, Ehor, uh, last September, um, changed the way S3 calculated short interest, uh, Prior to that, short interest on GME was like 130%. And then they redid their calculation and it was like 25%. Uh, this is because S3 only counts the shorting of a stock once. So if you are if you, an institution, you lend a share out, that share gets sold. That's one time and the short interest is X number of percent based on, on those shares. But if it's lent out, sold, and the person who buys it lends out the share... S3 deletes the original uh, calculation, the original synthetic from their calculation, and it counts the new one, even though there's two synthetics that are out there for that one share. So it's a, it's a weird way. I don't understand why they why they changed it. Um, yeah, that's that's what I see. Uh, do HYG puts have anything to do with inflation on the repo market? I don't know. Uh, the repo market is usually made up of hedge funds that need cash they've got in their assets they have uh government bonds and those government bonds are stable uh they will make you money and they're like they're like kind of like gold they just won't change in value very much so um if the hedge fund needs cash they go hey bank i need cash the bank says all right give me your collateral of those bonds so they lend the bank the bonds the bank then gives cash to the hedge fund and, and these these loans are short term they might be a day or a week or a month and once the hedge fund does whatever they need with that cash and make their money, they have to essentially buy their bonds back. And um, those, and that, that's how the regular repo market works. I'm not sure how that would tie in with HYG because HYG is junk bonds. These are like corporate debt. And it's not just corporate debt. It's corporate debt that's not the best. It's like A minus or, 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 or B uh, rated bonds. So I'm not sure how that would tie into the repo market because usually those bonds don't get to use, be used in repos. The the banks like it when uh, the collateral is government bonds. Um, I think the term they use if if, if the collateral isn't government bonds and it's stocks or corporate bonds or other securities, they start to refer to it as toxic assets because they don't have they're not as solid a rock. Um, I'm going to have to look into it more to see if HYG plays with the bond market. I think HYG is pretty much more of a predictor that the general market as a whole is going to go in the toilet. Uh, That's how I see it anyway. Uh, Well, I don't know. I'm sure sure we'll find out this Friday whether that happens or not. Uh, So, you know, get out the lounge chair and uh, drink and enjoy it. See what happens. This, This is really the the first time in history uh uh where where we the retail investor might be on the side that wins when the market takes a takes a dive so uh man that's <laughs> like yeah, that's where we are uh nicholas oleflam um my thoughts on uh, oh, sorry, my eyeballs trying to read this appreciate your insight question, uh, question my friend thinks GME will still squeeze higher than AMC thoughts, can AMC GME squeeze at the same time? yes, I think they will squeeze, this. I think all of those meme stocks will chain reaction and squeeze at the same time, that's what happened in January was they all skyrocket at the same time when when uh, GME was hitting $480 cost was hitting $127 and uh, AMC hit what 26 or something that was its previous peak. Uh, I do think GME will squeeze higher simply because there's fewer shares available, and that's that's the entire reason I think we'll squeeze higher. What AMC has going for it is that there's a smaller percentage of institutional ownership of, of their shares, so the retail might have a little more ability to withhold selling and drive the price higher, uh, but they're just you know there's 10 times the shares out there for uh, AMC as there is GME so it's a supply and demand thing the way I see it Dan, Dan boss I have an I eye, eye on an island near Nassau yeah go hang on the Bahamas man I'd love I'd love to uh <laughs> I'll join you <laughs> yeah approach a son of Citadel's bet on HYg pans out for them uh could that be their hedge against margin call yeah that, I mean, if they make $100 billion off of that bet, uh, that's a lot of cash in their hand all of a sudden that they, that they can use to uh, uh, cover or to at least avoid margin calls. But if it doesn't pan out, then they just lost $4 billion or $2 billion, however much of their share they they spent on those. Um, looking for question marks, looking for question marks. Uh, Johnny Diamond Hands, if that's the case, why is Ihor and S3 uh, giving GME and AMC claw of a 100 out of 100 squeeze factory? I think because they know the actual truth. <laughs> I think that's why. Ihor uh, gave an interview um, to CNBC back during the baby squeeze. And he specifically had said that, that the short hedge funds have like 270 million shares they've got to buy of GME. And that was six months ago. Despite all of the naked shorts and naked call options that have gone the money since then, uh, which might be five ten times that. So, some of the people at at, at uh, uh, S three at Interactive Brokers at Fidelity, they've got access to to computers and data that we will never see and that they can't reveal to us because of NDAs and whatnot. And they know they know what's going on. They they can see the writing on the wall. So I think these guys. Um, I think I think, I think they know. I I think despite the numbers they give us, they know the truth, and uh, yeah, that's that's the way I see it. Okay, SM, uh, is ten thousand AMC or hundred thousand AMC not just a meme? And if so, will anyone be allowed to sell at any at, at that price? Uh, wouldn't that bankrupt most brokers? Uh, the brokerages I don't think necessarily will go bankrupt because the brokerages are the ones that that are going to be liquidating the assets of banks and um, hedge funds when the margin calls happen. Uh, I think they're just kind of like the middleman, just like selling stuff to get cash to buy our shares. Uh, The brokers that may have a big problem are the ones that that trade themselves on uh, margin, and they may have to turn off uh, their high-frequency trading during the squeeze because they won't be able to cover. If If they rely on the delay between you buying a stock at $100 and them waiting to find it a penny cheaper so they can keep the difference, they can't do that during a squeeze because I want to buy a stock at $100 and they have to go out and try to find it for $99.99 and all of a sudden it's $110 during that delay, then they'll sit there and go, ah, and then then they are responsible for failure delivers and they're going to be losing money in every trade. So... I hope they learn their lesson from January and are able to turn off uh, the high frequency trading and um, not delay the orders and hoping to find it cheaper because the squeeze won't it won't be every every second you wait, the price will be higher. Uh, that's how that's the only way I see the, the brokers going bankrupt in this is is if you have got those those little retail guys like Robin and Webull and whatnot that that do people's trades that way. okay can market makers sell shares back if none of people exercise um I don't know <laughs> i i assume I assume that the that they're talking about uh, uh, uh options that sit there if they don't exercise them um, what happens is if they expire in the money they get automatically exercised so that's that's what happens so if you can't avoid not exercising if it expires in the money at that strike price. that It has to be exercised regardless. Um, but one of the ways they do get exercised is uh, rather than you paying for those shares, they might just give you the cash for the difference, and it works that way. So that's probably, probably what a lot of them are doing is just paying the difference on the value of the share. Are holders that bought months ago, as from Andrew Stewart, are holders that bought months ago likely to have real shares rather than synthetic? It depends on, on how you bought the shares. Uh, uh, if you purchase them uh, with cash account and not on margin, the likelihood is higher that you have a legit share. And the way that naked shares are divvied out from my understanding is let's say uh Uh, Citadel or one of the hedge funds that have market maker status, they sell a million shares they don't have. They sell them naked. They have three days to try and find a legit share to make good on that. And if on the third day they don't, the brokerage that does their trades for them is obligated to find within their clientele those million shares. And what the brokerage does is they assign synthetics into those accounts where those million shares are, and those the synthetics are IOUs from Citadel, or whoever, whoever the market maker was that, that sold naked. The brokerage takes those million shares out, and they give those legit shares to whoever purchased uh, the stock. So now the naked seller, the market maker, is responsible for the IOUs in the brokerage's accounts. If it happens uh, and the person who sold naked wasn't a market maker at 21 days the brokerage is assigned to liquidate whoever sold those naked shares and to put legit shares into the accounts of all their clients that they had to borrow from. The weird thing is is that a market maker can get to the 21-day threshold, they get to the 35-day threshold, they can go on forever and there's no mechanism that forces them to actually replace those nakeds that they made. And that's one of the big issues that we're facing right now is that the market makers can generate as many naked shares as they want, and there's nothing there to force them to actually make good on it. And uh, what the market makers seem to do is they buy deep-in-the-money calls and puts that are due you know, two years from now, and they tell the clearinghouse and the brokerage, like, oh, I'm good for it under-regulation show, all they do is point out where the shares could be and they can sit there naked forever. And the new rules which were supposed to go into effect tomorrow, which got pulled from the SEC website, said you can't, you can't cover that way. You have to actually exercise those puts and calls. Uh, so <laughs> if, if that happens, then all of a sudden the market makers can no longer have this kind of loophole that avoids ever actually making good on on, on their deal. They're, you know, if I sold you a car and never actually gave you the car, i go to prison for for fraud, right? So there needs to be a mechanism in place to keep this fraud from being legal, and I'm hoping that these rules get passed and the, the uh, SEC and the clearinghouses actually do something about it. That's, you know, that's where we are. Um, Rules are only as good as 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 their enforcement. Okay. Oh, I just did that thing where I accidentally scrolled too far. All of a sudden, sorry. Got to readjust my my uh, thing here. I'm getting my the one thing I'm doing for myself when the squeeze happens. I'm getting my eyes lasered, so I don't have to rely on glasses anymore. And I want to be able to see like an eagle. So that's that's the that's the pat on the back I'm giving myself is laser eyes. All right. Uh, Jay Rutherford, reverse repo is a giant disaster, it seems like. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think you're right. <laughs> so the repo market is when the, the hedge funds need cash. They give their, their, their government bonds to banks to get cash for short-term lending. Reverse repo is when the Fed's buying bonds and the banks need cash. So the banks say, hey, hedge fund, let me borrow those bonds from you. And I'll give you cash so there's basically a basically negative interest rate all of a sudden on on these government bonds and uh, The banks take the bonds and they sell them to the Fed and they get a pile of cash and the banks are betting that at a later date the interest rates will go up and they'll be able to buy those bonds cheaper somewhere else and Then repay their loan to the hedge funds well what seems to be happening is is that the Fed is buying up hundreds of billions of these bonds and it, and the treasury department isn't issuing any new bonds so there's a short They're going to be a shortage of bonds available on the market and the banks might get short squeezed on bonds while the hedge funds are short squeezed on the meme stocks and that's just a recipe for disaster so yes jay rutherford i think the repo uh, is a giant disaster on on uh, the reverse repos, a giant, giant disaster on the horizon here. Got that whole perfect storm. We I mean, need Sebastian Junger, Junger to write, write the, the book for us. Uh, Gilly Gilly, you got me wrong. I said in addition to AMC, some stocks have squeeze potential. Oh, yes, yes, quite a few. I think we're going to see a lot of stocks. I think we'll see the regular stocks that we know of uh, uh, pop. And I think there's a chance we'll see a whole bunch of ones we never heard of pop. That we didn't know had been shorted to oblivion um that might be where that ryan cohen tweet about sears came from because sears got shorted to oblivion what they did to sears was uh textbook evil um you had a company sears kmart they had billions in sales every year they they own most of them own the land that they that they sat on and so they had you know hundreds of millions billions of dollars in, in real estate assets and the short hedge funds saw them as ripe for the taking so what they did was is they shorted them to oblivion and then they bought a bunch of their shares and held on to them and got their people put on the board at Sears Kmart to purposely just destroy the company from within so one of the first things that they did was they sold off all the land that Sears and Kmart owned and then signed really expensive deals to lease the land back for their stores so now they're just hemorrhaging cash every month and the and the money they made off of selling that land they gave to the C-level execs and the board as bonuses and so that money was never put into reserves was never it was never whatever went to shareholders it went to the heads and uh and you know once, once you start to uh, destabilize the financial future of a company by getting rid of their hard assets that they can borrow against, all of a sudden their credit rating drops. If their credit rating drops, interest rates shoot up whenever they need to do something else, and you know, they, they, they start to hemorrhage cash. And as they hemorrhage cash, service goes down, quality goes down. It's a long-term company, so there's all these pensions that they're responsible for, and if they can't start paying the pensions. They face penalties, and they start to get eaten from within. And so then, you know, the, the creditors come in, like, okay, you need to cut costs. We need to close these stores that are underperforming. We need to sell off these brands. So all of a sudden, they're selling off their name brands like Kenmore and, and, and Craftsman and other things, and now they have no assets. Now they're just a crappy retailer selling things that they barely own, and they, they're, they're no longer a vertically integrated. They don't own the warehouses, they don't own the stores, they don't own the, the logistics, logistics infrastructure, they don't own the factories, they don't own the repair guys. And before long, their stock's worth 25 cents, they declare bankruptcy, and they're being traded on the pink sheets. And, you know, the short hedge funds just made 1000000000s Woohoo! And that's what they were trying to do with GME and AMC and all these other companies was, you'll see uh, the short hedge funds put a toxic individual or two into a c-level executive position or under the board and they will undermine the entire company on behalf of the short hedge funds to drive the price down and uh you know gamestop especially was lucky in that ryan cohen saw the opposite and he went in there and and did battle against anyone who, who may have been part of the short hedge funds uh uh for, for GME and, 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 and got them out. So um, it's really hard for the hedge funds to torture company at that point. I may have gone off, gone off a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> but uh, that's that's how it works. In the old days, uh, the vulture capitalists like uh, Bain Capital and whatnot, they would, they would buy a company and they would uh, kind of do it the same way. They would, like when Bain Capital bought KB Toy Hobby, KB Toy Hobby was a company that uh, made $4 billion a year and and was in every mall in America. Bain Capital bought them, over leveraged their assets beyond belief. They, they, they over leveraged it to billions of dollars in loans, gave themselves the billions of dollars, and then declared bankruptcy on the company and walked away. And then the creditors all of a sudden had to deal with everything there. And that's how KB, KB Toy Hobby went out of business. Uh, when I was at the Art Institute, the Art Institute was uh, originally in uh, Pittsburgh, and then they made a branch in Seattle, so there were two of them, and it was kind of like the Harvard of art schools back then. And what they did was they uh, uh, went public because, you know, you got a successful company, you want know, to make a couple more branches or whatever, you go public. They went public. In the end, Goldman Sachs bought a majority st- uh, stake in the Art Institutes. And Goldman Sachs, v- Vulture, it. Cap- uh, Vulture, Vulture capitalized it. They the art institutes owned all the buildings they were in, the various cities they were in. So they were huge landowners in these urban areas. And at my school, uh, there was a, a building that was three blocks long, seven stories tall. It was like a million square feet. And the art institute had three floors. And then the rest of it was rented out to Real Networks, to Zulily, to a couple other startups. And, and they made, you know, $7 million a year in rent off of this building. The absolute bottom of the market the uh, vice president of the Art Institutes sold the building for $15 million. It's a $100 million building. He sold it for $15 million in 2012 and then rented back the three floors that we taught in for $600,000 a year. Now they're making $7 million a year off the building and now they're losing 600000 and the vice president retired with a $15 million bonus never to be seen again. <laughs> so, you know, all of a sudden the... The, the schools were losing money like crazy and the response to losing money like crazy is let's cut classes. Well, that doesn't make any sense because if you cut classes, you aren't making an income. Your entire income is based upon selling classes to people. And so they cut a bunch of classes and then they lose a bunch of money because people aren't paying for classes, so they cut some more. And then the student population goes down and then they went to bankruptcy and they just walked away. Goldman Sachs walked away. They're like, see ya, we're done. And then a evangelical company bought our institutes and stole all the students money and then they got went to bankruptcy so these vulture capital guys, they're evil, these short head funds they're evil, they destroy perfectly working businesses that 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 provide a service and they just obliterate them and they make a lot of money in the process in a very short period of time by destroying the goodwill of these companies yeah alright yeah, Toys R Us, this is uh, uh, Desfina uh, Maggiore the toys R Us the same thing. Toys R Us their sales were the same prior to the Vulture Capitalists taking over as they were after the Vulture Capitalists take over. They just had no assets and the Vulture Capitalists over them to oblivion. So yeah the, uh, the, the Toys R Us thing was absolutely evil as well. Okay. Um, and it happens to a lot of companies too. They, they do it Everywhere. So the two sides: you got the vulture capital guys, and you got the short hedge funds. They basically destroy a company and make money off of it, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, Bradley up so much, so much for fiduciary responsibility. Exactly. <clears throat> okay. Uh, code sounds gaming. How do I feel about uh, David Ings? Works at Citadel and on the board of the DTCC. Um it makes sense the 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 dtcc is like a country club for financial institutions so they've got brokerages uh uh hedge funds market makers banks that are all uh members of this organization and the subsidiaries the occ the dtc the nscc all these all these little subsidiaries of the dtcc so you're going to pick your uh uh your board members for DTCC, DTC um, from your membership. Uh, so there is like, you know, there, there is going to be a conflict of interest in there. Uh, the problem is, is that Citadel is hurt, actively hurting the DTCC uh, with their shenanigans. So, um, I mean, it's the same thing if Citadel is shorting someone to the Oblivion, they're going to try and find a way to put one of their people on the board of a company they're shorting. So, you you want people on the inside to do your bidding for you. Um, I, you know, he, Citadel's a member of their organization, so it's likely, it's very likely they can get somebody on the board there. Uh, whether he has the DTCC's best interest in mind and not Citadel's, that's where the question lies. And judging from Citadel's actions in the past, I don't think they do. I think, uh, uh i i i think i think that you know they're they're on there for citadel's gain not for the memberships of, the other members of of the dtcc okay oh uh Mupulin, what's your opinion on adam aaron saying we own 80 percent of the float 120 average do you believe them? Yeah, I do. I think I think it's going to be even more than that uh, because they weren't able to really accurately count foreign investment, and foreign investment traditionally is 40% of uh, uh, the U.S. market. So, you know, there could be another couple hundred million shares owned by uh, foreign investors that that couldn't vote because of the way that the dynamics are set up. Um, so yeah, the, I I, th- I think he's saying that that there is a load of short. Uh, uh, synthetic shares out there uh, like wink wink and then they made sure to mention they had a hard time counting foreign investors so that, that there's even more out there uh, so yeah I I, I believe him on, on on that I think I think his metrics and the way he worded it was a good way of wording it of kind of like giving that nudge nudge to uh, the short hedge funds like hey man we're on to you <clears throat> Um, what effect do you expect the $450,000 calls expiring on 618 will have on the stock price and the squeeze? I think uh, it's from Cami Hunter. I think we're going to see um, a gamma from that. That's 40, 45 million shares that have to be in the hands of these option houses to make good on these calls that will expire in the money. So they've got to go out and find more of uh, those shares so they can make good on their orders. And that's going to drive the price up. It's going to give us a gamma squeeze, which will cause even more options to go in the money, which make them have to go out and buy even more. And we're just going to see that sucker drive up. Uh, the way that gets fought, uh, Cammy, is that the market makers, like Citadel, is they start to naked naked sell to the hedge funds. So Citadel buys a whole bunch of stock, a whole bunch of options they know are naked. And when the gamma squeeze happens, they make a bunch of money selling naked shares to the option houses, who then have to give those shares. Back to the market makers um so they they win off of it each time it's it's a stupid system and i hate it and i want it to stop <laughs> but i think the gamma the gamma is good for us and ultimately uh, so let's let's see that price rocket uh, It's from uh, nick what do i teach uh i've taught everything uh, when i was at the art institute i was originally hired to teach math so i taught all levels of math from basically These are what numbers are through uh, calculus one. Uh, And then I started teaching astronomy. I started teaching geology. I taught uh, environmental science, biology, evolution, chemistry, chemistry of food, physics of motion, physics of sound, uh, intro to logic. Um, I think that's all I taught at the Art Institute. And now I teach at a film school here in Seattle. I teach kind of math and science for film majors and then I teach for Edmonds College I do uh, physics and astronomy for them so that's that's what I teach I'd love to teach geology again too because geology is really fun to get everybody out, out in the wild okay oh shoot sorry the scroll just Cole Peters uh, not sure if it was already covered but look at the puts for SPY QQQ HYG uh, Apple Facebook July 16th it's insane all right uh, we, we know about HYG. Uh, it'll be interesting to see like SPY and QQQ. Um, so Apple and Facebook, they're breaking. Apple and Facebook will drop. That's a good chance because those are blue chips that uh, if there's liquidation of these hedge funds, they're going to be hurt as well. So it's probably good to have puts in those guys. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I think the institutes are betting against the entire market. I think they know that there's a correction coming because we I mean, just look at look at corporate debt in general. Uh, prior to the pandemic, corporate debt was at levels that were completely unsustainable. 109% of all corporate profits in the United States went into stock buybacks, which means every company was essentially borrowing to buy back their stock to artificially inflate the price, which is why we saw such a steady climb for the last few years um, in in uh, the Dow and NASDAQ. And... and and New York Stock Exchanges, is, is that is that these companies were reducing their float artificially to keep the stock price high? Because as long as the stock price is high, the C-level executives got rewarded with their bonuses, and all of that was done on borrowing. And if you are borrowing money to buy back stocks, you're not using money and corporate profits on R and D and infrastructure improvement and uh, dividends for your for your for your shareholders, uh, and that's not sustainable. That that, that type of stuff uh, ultimately hurts a company's longevity in the end. So they can see their stock crash plummet, their bonds go unpaid, and we can just see a catastrophic fall from that. Add to that the fact that trading on margin has skyrocketed by like 100% in the last year, but the stock market hasn't grown by 100% means that a whole bunch of people are over leveraged on their margin trading whole bunch of institutions and everyone else and you know then we've got the reverse repo market happening i think that that there's a whole bunch of negatives happening that are going to bite everybody in the butt so kind of hedging your bets and betting against the uh the market as a whole might be kind of wise right now not financial advice i'm not financial advisor (laughs) it's what i'm doing i'm i'm betting there's going to be some pain uh, Thomas H. Is Webull going to be safe to store money in? Will the banks uh, uh, safe to send our cash out to? I think I touched on this last the last live show. Um, try not to have more than $500,000 cash in your brokerage accounts. Um, if you ever have that much cash in there, buy something. Buy, buy some sort of security investment and, and put that money into that so at least you, ha- you have a piece of paper that has some sort of value. Uh, if you have more than $500,000 in there, anything above 500,000 is not insured. So, uh, that, that's why I have multiple brokerage accounts because if this thing takes off, um, and I've got a lot of cash, all of a sudden, uh, I, I, I can easily, uh, spread that money out to several different brokerage accounts that all have a $500,000 insurance level. Your bank account is insured to 250,000. So, um, it's good to if you've got more than fifty thousand dollars to your name in cash to have multiple bank accounts too, so that they all they're all insured, uh, and you and if a bank goes belly up, your assets don't go with it. So yeah, um, WeBull is insured to, to five hundred thousand for cash, so you should be good for that. But uh, I, I still think it's wise to put your money into stocks and bonds and everything else rather than hold it in cash. In that case. Because they, they trade kind of similar way that, that Robinhood does. And, and if they didn't fix their algorithm for the squeeze, they may run into margin trouble as well. And we saw that under certain brokerages, that like Interactive Brokers and Robinhood, that if you trade on a margin and they're getting margin called, they'll liquidate your assets for you without even telling you. So, uh, yeah. Be, tra- tra- switch, your, switch your accounts to cash. And get rid of the margin, and uh, you you stand a little better chance of not losing everything. <clears throat> Some people are talking about Lou. That guy really creeps me out. <laughs> I didn't really know who he was, and people sent me a couple of his videos, and I don't know, man. I I, I don't know what his deal is, but I I got weird vibes. Okay. Uh, Den Boss, shenanigans is almost as much of an understatement as the Fed saying they have monetary policy issues. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, Proje Sun, how do dark pools and off-market trades affect on-the-market share prices? Uh, side note, Vonnegut made artwork for a fish album that was never used. Really interesting. Um, the the dark pools are a way of, uh, of reducing buy pressure on the market. If the hedge funds and options guys have to go into the regular market and buy up these stocks, then that creates buy pressure that affects the price retail people play. If they trade these things back and forth to each other on the dark pool, then we never see that buy pressure and they can invent whatever price they want off the market. And that's one of the things I hope changes as a result of of the comeuppance that is happening. Uh, uh, yeah. So, oh, did I miss an Eric Nelson super chat? Sorry. Uh, let me scroll up and find that. Uh, pull in. Sorry. Sometimes sometimes you get talking and then the super chat vanishes from my view. Eric Nelson. Um. Oh no, I think I, I did talk about that, didn't I? If we get over four hundred thousand calls in by by six eighteen, do you think uh, it cause gamma squeeze? Yeah. Uh, I think I got that one, didn't I? <laughs> I may have just gotten to it late. Okay. Uh, this time also Robinhood restrictions on sell and buying this is from Sudeep G Robinhood's been really cryptic Uh, the problem was during the baby squeeze was Robinhood stopped letting retail buy and only let them sell and that reduces buying pressure which keeps the price from going upwards and People keep asking Robinhood if they're going to restrict their, their their ability to trade. And Robinhood keeps answering, we won't affect your ability to sell. That's not the question, Robinhood. They're asking if you're going to affect their ability to buy, not sell. And so Robinhood's been a little suspect with the way they dodge that question a whole bunch. This is from SM. Uh... That's gonna be fifty million dollars just for mentoring Lou. He keeps threatening to sue people. Oh, alright. Well, Lou can sue me. i if if you if you've ever read anything from my uh, stalker, I get sued, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it happens. People 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 like to sue. Okay. Um let me scroll back down here. What's going to happen to crude oil, uranium, lithium, etc. post-squeeze? This is from Andrew Stewart. Uh, uh, Man, raw materials will be interesting because raw materials are mostly traded, like US dollars kind of standard for a lot of those raw materials. Um, Most of the places they come from are developing nations and they want hard currency so they want euros or dollars. Uh, Yen, Japanese Yuan it's a uh, yeah. It's a uh, what will happen with those? Well, if we see a lot of inflation from the Fed having to bail all the banks due to this, you know, comeuppance that will be happening, we could see a lot of inflation, which means the the value of the dollar will drop, and the price of oil will go up. Um, it also might be a way. For for their national powers would be to get the oil off of the U.S. dollar. Uh, uh, you know, it might not be the standard anymore if we see too much inflation. So, if the U.S. dollar isn't the standard for oil, it might not be the standard for other things as a result. I don't know, man. Uh, we might we might see prices of certain things skyrocket and other things. Um, if there's a credit crunch absolutely collapse in 2009 when there was a credit crunch oil prices bottomed out I mean it was like ten dollars a barrel in March of 09 and I was paying a dollar for a gallon of gas all of a sudden um, so how it all plays out I'm not sure I, I, I wish I was really good at like financial billiards so I could see what ball hits what and bounces into what pocket and where the stuff goes but I, I I honestly can't predict if we'll see, like hyperinflation and the price of oil skyrocket or if we'll see a credit crunch and the price of oil collapse eh, i don't know man <laughs> that's a that's a good question and i'm sure we'll get the answer <laughs> Derek p yeah he's nice my stalker's everywhere he's like omnipresent man He's, he yeah he, he spends all day every day just thinking about me and probably beating off in his van so you know what what can I say I've got some cool shirts <clears throat> oh shit it's 5:30 um I've got to get going I've got to I've I've got to go enjoy a wonderful home cooked meal by my stepmom uh thank you so much everybody This was a lot of fun I I love I love uh, uh, chatting this way and and it's it's great I I miss talking to people <laughs> so uh, thank you so much uh have a good night um i'm hoping to have a written show hopefully by tuesday and launch the treasure hunt by wednesday depending on if we get everything edited uh that's well, my, my roommate who's a film guy he's editing it all and he's much better at these things than i am uh so look forward to the treasure hunt it's coming um yeah thanks so much everybody have a great night and uh, i love you all all right, mending. bye bye